I don't have much to say after that. How many, how many sermons can be preached about this Jesus? I thought, how about one more? Yeah, all right. It's a good thing, man. What a blessing. It's a blessing to be here uh, big time. I really appreciate your pastor and try not to break the lapel here before I even start, but I just really appreciate your pastor. Most of you know us, but uh, there's probably a, a couple of you who don't. So uh, my name is Mike Reagan. See, this is on mute. You guys disabled it, didn't you? You guys, you, you took, they took the control out of your hands. How is it? Are we good? We good? Hello? Hello? Hi? I don't know what it's doing. I'm so untechy. The mute button, the mute thing here. It's not on mute. I have that effect. I've done the same thing to mine at our church. They have backups sitting there waiting in the queue, so sorry. Um, as I was saying, it's a blessing to be here. Your preacher uh, means a lot to me. I really appreciate him and his testimony. Most of you know us, but for those of you who don't, uh, my name is Mike Reagan. I pastor a Bible Believers Church in South Lyon, Michigan. I'm here with a few of my blessings they were just singing about. Um, my, I'll start in the backwards order. My favorite youngest daughter is Ava. She's 12. And then Lillian, I, I tease them like they always trying to be the favorite. So my favorite third daughter is Lillian. She'll be 14 in July. And then Sophia is 16 and Anna is 18, which is a heartbreak. She just finished high school. Mom and I are going through a crisis. We're not sure what it is. Pray for me because uh, this June we're supposed to be married 20 years. I just said supposed to be. I want to make it to 20, but I'm not sure that I'm going to because in Sunday school, I told everybody she's going to be 40 tomorrow. I'm already in now. I might as well just jump in over my head. You know what I'm saying? So pray that we make it to that 20th, but uh, they are with me, and uh, they've been an unbelievable blessing in my life. I don't know what I'd do without them, and I'm very thankful for them. So I appreciate you having us here, and I appreciate this church. Joe, how long have we known each other? Five years is what I was thinking, something like that, and uh, it's just been a, a real blessing, so that's how long I've known of your church, and uh, your preacher made a, a big impact on me when I met him, and uh, he doesn't realize it. He's the kind of guy who thinks not too much of himself, and uh, but he, he has a bigger impact than he even knows, and so I'm very grateful, very nervous. Uh, I've been preaching for a long time. I've, I don't know how many messages I've preached, a lot of them, but I still get nervous preaching. Uh, you're scary looking from here, too. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Standing in the back, you don't look too bad, but when I'm up here, it's kind of intimidating. But uh, I just appreciate the privilege and opportunity to be here. Let's go to John chapter number 15. I, I hope and pray that I can be a, a blessing to you this week. That is going to be my effort, my endeavor. I, I've been praying for a while and, and thinking, and I, the Lord's been working on my heart, and I think He's uh, directed me this morning. This is not the message or the chapter that I wanted to preach from. And uh, kind of had one of those deals there between me and God as a preacher. You get in your own mind what you think you should preach. And uh, the Lord has a way. Somebody asked me recently how you know all you preachers say that. And it's like, well, I don't know. Ask God to call you to preach and then you can figure it out. And then you can answer that question for us. But uh, the Lord confirmed it this morning, early in the morning. I was reading my personal devotions and it says, There's no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. 
And the Lord said, don't overthink it. Don't think you know more. Just do what I told you to do. So I hope this morning this chapter will be a blessing to you. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Joe, would you ask God to bless the preaching this morning, please? Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to draw your attention, if I could, to verse number three. The Lord says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I got thinking about that, man. It's a blessing to be clean, ain't it? I mean, I remember when I got saved, and I wasn't some kind of old, you know, drug addict. I hadn't been some alcoholic for a whole bunch of years. I mean, uh, your preacher mentioned 43 years. I'm only 44 years old, you know. That that's really makes you feel kind of immature, if you know what I mean. But, man, it's a blessing to be saved. I was five years old when I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I'll never forget what came over me the second that I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. When I had Him come into my heart and save my soul, I remember the guilt of my sin backing off of me. I was guilty already. I knew I was a little sinner. I was always in trouble right from the beginning. I mean, I wasn't trying to be in trouble. I wasn't trying to be a bad kid. I was just a bad kid. Uh, I'll never forget it. I can still remember it to this day. We lived in Westland, Michigan, these little postage stamp lots, and, and the neighborhood was real tight. We were all kind of packed in on each other, and my neighbors had a pool that just about filled their whole backyard. And, and there was little rocks that laid next to our driveway. And my parents said, don't be messing with them rocks because they saw me picking them rocks up. And they said, don't be messing with them rocks. Don't be throwing those in the neighbor's pool. You know, some, little ch- some of them were pretty good size. Well, they went in the house. And that pool was still calling my name because I know rocks splash when they land in water. Sure enough, you know, mom and dad aren't looking and I'm chucking them over the fence into the pool. And next thing we know, later on that day, my parents have the neighbors beating on their front door. There's rocks in our pool and it split the lining and the pool's leaking. My parents didn't miss that opportunity to show me what a little sinner I was. You know what I mean? I'll never forget that. I mean, my parents used to tell us that certain words were were potty words. Now, I won't use them because I don't want to start out this soon offending people, but they weren't like really bad words, you know. But we were told that we had to use the medical terms for using the bathroom, okay? Uh, Really, my parents were really that weird. We had to use like the proper medical terminology. So they said, if you use these words, you shouldn't use those words. That's crude. They were trying to put some class in us from an early age. You know what I mean? It didn't stick, so don't worry. I'm just being nice right now because you don't know me that well yet. I'll, I'll never forget hiding underneath the picnic table in the backyard with my cousin. And, and I didn't know, but my mom had cracked the, the bedroom window, and she was right there listening to us. And over and over and over again, I was getting him to say the words, and I was saying them myself that my parents said we weren't allowed to use because I felt like, I didn't know it back then, but I felt like I was cussing. And it felt really good down deep, you know, to just say these words I'm not allowed to say. And I might, man, she, she said, she told me later she was hiding and laughing, but when she got me in the house, she beat the fire out of me. You know what I mean? I mean, just for lack of a better way to put it, that's what happened. What I'm trying to say is I knew early on in my life that I was a sinner. 
I haven't always been perfect. I've, I've had some very difficult times in my life and some very big struggles later on in my life. But from an early age, I knew that I was a sinner. And when you just have the guilt of those, what we would call little sins on you, it is amazing the amount of relief that comes over you when Jesus Christ moves into your heart and washes you clean of your sin. And you're not even at all concerned about whether or not you're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. You know you're forgiven because you know what happened to you because it's real and it took place in my heart five years old you imagine the relief that must come over people that get saved later in life what a blessing we make a little bit too much of that sometimes it's better to get in early and stay in but it's never too late to get in See, the thing is, is that the Lord made me clean and I know that he did and I, I love the Lord and I, I want to serve the Lord. Look at verse 4. He says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Man, it's great to be clean. That, that initial feeling of salvation when Jesus Christ came in and took up a boat in your heart. He mentioned it earlier. You have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You don't realize it if you're not saved, but inside of you, something spiritual is dead. God Almighty created you to have fellowship with him. That was the original purpose in the garden. And sin entered to make a divide between us and God. And man, when Jesus Christ saves you and bridges is that gap and the fellowship is there with your creator what a wonderful thing it is Amen. now listen don't split hairs with me I understand the original he God created Adam and we're all procreation it's, I, I get all that but the point is God still wants fellowship with the people he allows to be on the planet okay Amen. And boy when you get that it's wonderful and you know what you want to do originally when you first get saved you want to serve them that original close feeling that you feel with Jesus Christ, that, that, that presence that's there, that reality, that innocent, very simple, you don't know a whole lot of things. I mean, at, at five years old, I, I didn't know a whole lot of things. I didn't have all the doctrines down. I didn't know everything there was to know in my Bible. I couldn't quote verses off, and I still don't know them all. But, you know, sometimes we think we, you know, have arrived a little bit, like we got it all down now. Back then, I knew nothing. All I knew was something great had just happened in my heart. And it was a wonderful thing. I wanted to produce fruit. I mean, from an early age, I remember wanting to produce fruit for Jesus Christ. Wanting that closeness to stay. I can remember the preachers preaching when I was a little boy and sitting there. Just They, they would preach about... It, it wasn't that I ever wanted to be up there doing what they're doing, I don't think. It was just... I would hear stories of mission fields. I'd hear about Russia... And how they, they didn't, Christians in Russia couldn't get a Bible. And I wanted to smuggle Bibles into Russia. I would sit there in church imagining while he went on preaching, Holy Ghost already did what he was doing in my little heart and my little mind. And there I was off imagining that I'm trying to sneak across the border and there's the, the Russian soldiers trying to arrest me and I'm smuggling Bibles into Russia. That sounded super cool. I mean, that sounded cooler than being a drug dealer. You know what I mean? I mean, that was like a Christian version of it. It's like, it's illegal. It's against the law. I could go to jail and it's super cool because there's an underground market for it. This is sweet. I mean, I remember wanting to produce fruit, wanting to do something for God with my life. I still want to produce fruit. Do you know what I've found? It is a whole lot harder to produce fruit than I ever imagined it would be. I don't know about you, but I find myself in endless cycles. 
I'll never do that again. And I do it. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. I confess my sin and, and I know you're faithful and just to forgive me my sin. And God, I'm getting this thing right and I'm not going back to it. Lord, please help me. And guess what I do? Isn't that weird? I've tried every way and I've heard all the preaching and I've been in church my entire life and Bible Institute and Bible College and this, that, and the other. I've heard it all on how to make it work. What you need to do is. And I still seem to mess up. I want to produce fruit. Notice the power to produce fruit. It's, it's right here in our text and it's all the way back to something extremely simple. It is so simple most Christians miss it and never actually get it. He says in verse number one, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. That's real simple, ain't it? Look at verse four. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, that's what we are. Because in verse one, he said, I am the true vine, right? And off a vine, there's branches. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, guess what happens? The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. That is so ridiculously simple. He says the power to produce fruit comes from only one thing. It comes from the right vine. Amen. The right vine is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the vine. You cannot produce the right fruit if you're not in Jesus Christ. The first thing this morning you got to have is you've got to be born again. The world will try to produce fake fruit. Your flesh will try to produce fake fruit. You'll try to get the victory. One of the greatest dangers in the world is getting the victory without Jesus Christ. But it's not real. If the vine's not producing it, it's not the right fruit. In other words, if I clean up and get everything right and clean up my flesh and make it all look good and start serving God and read my Bible and have my prayer time and pass out tracts, but I'm doing it all in the power of Mike Reagan. I'm doing it all because I know what I need to do. Then really it's not even actually true fruit. The branch has got to be abiding in the vine. My heart breaks for lost people that have problems. Literally, my heart, I, I'm not playing, my heart breaks for it. What's worse than seeing lost people with problems is lost people with problems that get the victory without coming to Jesus Christ for it. I did it. I cleaned it up. Oh, probably about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago now, some visitors come to church. They sat back over on the left-hand side about three quarters of the way back, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, after the service, and I won't name them, name their name or nothing because by some chance he hears this on the internet or whatever, I, I don't want him to feel like I am not his friend or don't want him to come back or anything like that. So I want to be real careful about this, but this is an important thing here. He came and, and they left and they were standing out front. There was two of them. They were just sort of standing out front, kind of like hanging out after the service. 
So I, I, I managed to get out there. I'm like, oh, glad I saw them because they had left without me being able to say anything to them. I got out there to them. And, hey, man, glad you guys were here. Thanks for coming. And, and we tried to talk. I tried so hard to talk to them, and they were just sort of standing there. Like, hey, yeah, thanks. That was good. Yeah. I tried to get out where they were from. Didn't really get much. The one guy with the younger guy was standing a little bit off to the left, my left there, and he was just kind of like. So I tried to talk to him, you know, nothing. I looked at him finally and I said, you look like you got something on your mind, man. What's up? Can I help you? And he said, mysteriously quiet. And I said, that's fine. I'm not trying to push you, but I, I'm here for you. If you want help, I'd like to help you. Appreciate that. We'll be back. They left, got in the car. Uh, that was maybe three, four weeks ago. I think a, a week and a half or so ago, I got... I was uh, recording a Second Corinthians for the Institute, and I got done. And we had just got, we just taught through um, uh, the end of the book there. We've been talking about how the devil works in church and in the ministry and all that stuff. And just really, really, uh, really sober stuff, right? The guy that was at work in the sound booth for me and the cameras, he goes out uh, while I'm teaching, sneaks out real quiet, and, and he comes back in. Well, as soon as I got done, he said, hey, there's somebody waiting in the parking lot for you. Okay, great. I went out there, and... And there's this guy that had visited on Sunday morning. Again, not saying his name. He was smashed. He gets out of his vehicle. He comes walking over to me. He got a half-empty liquor bottle in his hand. I need help. I said, well, that's what we're here for. He goes, hands me his bottle. I said, what do you want me to do with that? You should have taken it from him. How do I know you don't have a camera or something like that going to post it online or somebody posted somewhere else waiting to catch me with a liquor bottle in my hand? I ain't touching it, man. I said, what do you want me to do with that? He said, dump it out. I said, I ain't dumping it out. You dump it out. I said, nobody can help you with that but you. You got to make up your mind. You're going to do what you got to do. Now go dump it out. He said, man, you're raw. I said, I'm telling you the truth because I love you. Go dump it out. He dumps it out. I said, don't give me that. Put it in your car. He goes to put it in his car. He's got his dog in his car, a little pit bull. He says, can I bring my dog with me? I said, sure, come on in. Gets his dog. Dog was fine. Gets his dog. We come in the, the church building there and walking through. He, he runs right to the pulpit, falls down at the altar, is on his face and starts praying. His dog sits down next to him. I'm like, this is bizarre, you know, like, praise the Lord, this is good, I'm happy with it, but this is, a, you know, I've been in a situation like this in a while, it used to happen all the time, it hasn't happened in a while, it's kind of a blessing. So I go over and I said, uh, give me your dog, man, I'll take him to my office, you want a cup of coffee? He said, yeah, I said, take your time, talk to God, do what you need to do, I'll be in my office, come join us when you're ready, and, you know, I'll, your dog will be with me, come on, boy, like that, and the dog just, like, jumped up, followed me, the dog was fine, my office is right over here, like, this door would be my office. My office is right over here, so I, I walk in my office with the dog. The dog's like wonderful, sweet, jumping around, sits at my feet. I'm getting my Keurig out, you know, and, and uh, Brother John had run downstairs to get a couple coffee cups for me while the guy's up there praying. I was trying to sober him up. <laughs> and I said, all right, great, appreciate that. You know, so I'm sitting there, and the dog's just like, looks like he wants to treat me. Everything's fine, no problems. I turn around to go out. The dog runs out ahead of me, and I hear like that, and I come out around the corner, and that dog's like going after John. John jumps in between the first pew and the second pew. He's standing right there as I came out of the office here, and the guy was kneeling over there praying, and the dog, John jumps in between the pews there, and the dog jumps up on the pew. is like trying to jump at his face. I come up here and say, get down, like that to the dog. And the dog listened to me, got down. 
ran over towards him, turned around and came after me, tried to bite, went down, tried to bite my feet, and I jumped my foot back. I said, stop like that, stopping the dog. The guy's standing there not doing anything. I said, hey, like that. He jumps up, tries to grab my hand. Hey, I said, get your dog, man. Put him on the leash. He leashes the dog up. The dog's fine. He hands me the leash. I'm making this stuff up, man. He hands me the leash. I, take, I said, all right, fine. I'll take him out. I said, I'm going to take him out and tie him up. I take the leash. I said, come on, bud. He starts walking with me. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, he just spins around, tries to jump up and grab my hand again. He goes from being well-behaved to crazy, well-behaved to crazy. It was the weirdest thing I've seen, man. I, oh, I, said, I said, get your dog. The guy grabs the dog, he starts, he turns around, he's standing like this, and he leaves the full leash till the dog can reach me. The dog comes after me again. I jump back, I said, get your dog. He's just standing there holding the dog like that. The dog's lunging at the leash, and I'm thinking, God Almighty, what is going on here? I just got done teaching on the devil in church. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here, but there's a war for this guy's soul. He's holding on to that dog, and he's looking at me, and I'm thinking, uh-oh. I, I, I mean, man, my adrenaline was through the roof. I was thinking, scared, to be honest. And I'm thinking, if he does something crazy right now, I got to go through the dog to get to him. This is not good. I said, put your dog in the car. He's standing there holding the leash. Looking at me. I said, I said, put your dog in the car. I'm not playing, man. And he goes, all right, all right. He takes the dog, puts the dog in the car, comes back in. <sighs> okay. Now it's time to put on the pastor hat and let's witness, right? I'm sitting there. I sit back in my chair and I grab my hands because that adrenaline was pumping in my hands. I didn't want him to see my hands shaking because I didn't want him to think I'm scared. I sit back in my chair like that and I said, what can I do for you? He said, you look scared. I said, scared? You kidding me? He said, well, maybe not, maybe not. I said, yeah, not. What can I do for you? And he just started bawling. Man, I need help, and you got to help me. He said, I came here a couple weeks ago, and what I saw was tough love. And I figured this is where I need to be. I need what this place has. I need what you have. I need help. Can you help me? Yes, sir, I know exactly how to help you. It's not what I said right away, but that's what my heart and my mind are saying, right? He said, tell me about it. He started pouring out his life and the troubles he's having and the issues he's got going on and how he can't get the victory. We were talking about the devil built some strongholds in his flesh we talked about in Sunday school. And he can't beat him. And he's, you know how long I've had these issues? I've had these issues for 12 years. I said, well, I know where you can get the help. He said, all right, help me. I said, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? You know what the Bible says about your soul. You know what he said? blankety blank you and blankety blank Jesus Christ don't you give me that Jesus blankety blank help me from the Old Testament now preacher you've been doing this long enough to know what do you hear all the time well you know in the Old Testament they're always killing things and that bloody hateful God and man you can't seem to please people man right when you think you thought you heard it all somebody says something like that I said, I know what you got. He said, all right, what? I showed him the spirit of Antichrist. Cannot confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. And I said, that's what you got. You got the spirit of Antichrist. Why did that name bother you that much? Everything you've been doing for all these years hasn't been working. 
You can't get the job done. You came to me for help, and then you have the audacity to sit in my office in this church and tell me that I'm going to help you the way you want to be helped. I don't even have that right in this place. This place is built on the name of Jesus Christ. Without him, we have nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. Don't tell me how to help you. If you want my help, we're starting with Jesus Christ, and if you don't want Jesus Christ, I can't help you. I figured that would end it. It didn't. <laughs> by the grace of God, by the time we got done, he said, all right, I'll think about it and I'll come back. He hasn't been back and I hope to God he comes back. Because I'm trying to tell you this morning that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you cannot produce the fruit. You've got to be in the vine. The power for producing that fruit comes only from the right vine. But the thing about the right vine is it's got to be in the right vineyard. He says, I'm the true vine and my father is the husbandman. So that's the guy that owns the property. The husbandman is the man who has rights to the property, owns the property, and he's planted a vine in that property. You understand what I'm saying? I know this is really simple this morning. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to you know, be super profound. It's really simple, but it's really necessary. That vine is planted in the right property. Listen, he says in this passage, now ye are clean in verse number through, through the word, verse number three, through the word which I have spoken unto you. You see that? Look at verse seven. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Look at verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Did you see it? These things have I what? Spoken. You know what it is? It's the words of God. You know what that right vine has to be in? It has to be planted in the right soil. You know what the right soil is? Somewhere where the word of God is being preached and taught clearly and distinctly and is believed and is backed, not criticized, corrected, made to doubt. You know what you've got right here at this church? you got the right vineyard. Why? Because you believe the Bible is the word of God. You stand for the truth of the King James Bible and you lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that is exactly what everybody needs in order to produce the fruit in their life that God would have them to produce. The devil will try to get you out of this vineyard because he does not want you producing the fruit that Almighty God wants to produce in your life and will produce in your life if you'll stick with Jesus and stay in the vineyard that God puts you in. He'll produce the fruit it will happen with time but the devil wanted to give you get you out of that vineyard because he doesn't want to see that fruit produced go with me quickly please to the book of Isaiah if you would Isaiah chapter number 5 if you can't find it that's okay I'll read it to you just don't, don't bother yourself with it but Isaiah chapter number 5 uh, verse number 1 if you can see it quickly then go ahead and grab it Look at verse 1, he says, Now I sing, now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. See the ground? See, see the place? He, he put it in a fruitful place. And he fenced it. He put around it a hedge. 
that, that word fenced it, that has to do with a, a border and a, and a place of protection and parameters that God put and gathered out the stones thereof and planted, in it, planted it with the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it. Back in that day, the, the more wealthy uh, husbandmen, the guys that had a little bit more money, they would put a tower in the middle of their vineyard. And that tower was used for, for shade and for protection and somewhere they could run to when they needed a break or when they needed a little bit of a rest from the sun. There's a tower and a place of protection in that vineyard. And so he's saying, listen, I have, I have plenty of money. I, I got all that I need to make this thing absolutely perfect for you. It's not just an average vineyard. It's the choicest vine. It's the best vineyard. Not only that, but I went through all the effort to build a tower in the midst of that vineyard. I put a place there. I've done something. You remember what Jesus Christ said? I will do what? Build my church. You know what the Lord's been doing here for 15, 16 years, whatever it's been? I've been building this church. He, he, he's given you a great pastor, but the pastor can't do what God's done here. I speak by experience. The pastor can't do what's done. A pastor, listen, if he could do what's done here, it would be much bigger and much better. I did not just insult you or your church. Because in our minds as men, man, I mean, boy, when I went out and hung up my shingle and started a church 14 years ago, I had it all planned out. We were going to produce this much fruit this fast. I would sit down and do the math. If everybody led one person, to, one person, just one person to Jesus Christ, that's all, one, that sticks. Guess where we'll be in 15 years? That's not the way the husbandman works in his vineyard. So I'm trying to tell you that what's happening here is what God's doing. God gave you a great pastor. I'll back him all the way. As long as he stands for Jesus Christ and for the King James Bible, I'll stand with him. I'll back him all the way. But I'm telling you right now, it's not his doing. Amen. All the time, churches, well, you know what's about this church would grow more if our pastor, if we had a different kind of a pastor. That's a bunch of hogwash, man. Yes, men can do it, but not when God's doing it God's way. Men don't have to manipulate it. They get in the book. They walk with Jesus Christ. They get on their knees. They love you. You hear that? If you love me, you wouldn't talk to me like that. Mm. You don't know the God I know. I mean, the Holy Spirit's probably a lot sweeter to you than he is to me. But, I mean, he talks to me like, what, what's the matter with you, you idiot? You know, I mean, I hear that kind of stuff like, yeah, that was really stupid, Lord. I'm sorry. Preacher loves you. He gives you the truth. He knows if what he could do to manipulate you and sell you and pitch you and reach more people and make the music, you know, a little more modernish, you know, and kind of like dressing. I mean, could you see your preacher in skinny jeans? <laughs> I got that from Brother Pilkington because he just preached at my church and was making fun of me coming out in the, in the smoke machine. You know, could you see Brother Reagan coming through the smoke? My church has been torturing me ever since then. I just figured skinny jeans would be a good fit for you. He knows what he could do as a man to try to make it happen, but this is the Lord's vineyard. It ain't up to him to do it the way he wants to do it. He's got to give you the word and, and lay it out right, and what you've got here is the choicest of vines. You've got, a, you've got a tower here. You've got a, it's all fenced, and the protection of God is here, and the presence of God is here. And look what he does in, in the middle of that vine. He also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes. God, God's done this. And you know what God's looking for? Okay. I gave him the book. I gave him a preacher that I worked on. 
I gave him a preacher that I spent years mashing down and building back up. And then I saw some stuff there that needed help and I mashed it down again and I, and I wet it down and I built it back up and I, I put them on my wheel and I've worked on them and I've worked on them and I've worked on them and I've worked on them. And you can find flaws if you look at the vessel. You can find faults when you look at the vessel, but God knows what God's been doing on him. I gave you a good pastor and I gave you a good church and I gave you a perfect Bible. I gave you everything you need, perfect soil to bring forth fruit and I'm looking for the fruit and what does he find? Same thing I already told you I have a problem with. Brought forth wild grapes. Man, I hate that about myself. I want to produce fruit. Man, you wouldn't believe how many times I smash my finger in the car and the first word that comes to my mind isn't, praise Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Believe how many times the Lord showed me something about me that I want to fix and I start working on it and it's two years, three years, five years, ten years, maybe I'm starting to get somewhere. This old flesh of mine is always bringing forth wild grapes, man. Look at verse 3. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could I have done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. Let me ask you a question. What more could God do for you? What's your complaint list? What, what is it? What more do you want from Almighty God? He has given you His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He knows your flesh. He knows you can't do it. He realized that you were sold under sin. In me, Paul said, the Apostle Paul, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. He knew it. So He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life in your place. He put Him on that cross of Calvary and and had him beaten and mocked and stripped naked and made fun of and tore to shreds. They tore him literally to shreds. Takes your sin upon him. Descends into the lower parts of the earth. Rises again the third day and ever lives to make intercession for you. He is there standing between a righteous, holy God and a sinner like you and me, and he's got his hand down here saying, just take it, I'll bring you to him, because I got the other one here. I can grab him, you can't. But I'm the bridge, I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. He's done everything you need. Well, if you're saved, you got it all. He's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything we need, we have in Jesus Christ. What more do we want? You know what we still do? We still have excuses. Still have complaints. Still produce that fruit of the flesh. Still let the devil in. Look at verse 5. And now go to, I'll tell you what I'll do to my vineyard. I'll take away the hedge thereof. And it shall be eaten up. You know, doctrinally, that can still apply to you. Paul said to give the one in the church that is committing fornication over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of Christ Jesus. I know where I'm at, so I don't have to teach you all the doctrine. You get plenty of that. You know you can't lose your salvation, but you know what you can lose? Your life. You can lose your marriage. You can lose your health. 
You can lose your children. You can lose your fellowship with the church. You can lose your fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can lose everything in this old sinful world that keeps you going, that gets you through, that gives you any hope, any joy at all. You can lose every bit of it by not abiding in Jesus Christ. He said, I'll take away the hedge and it shall be eaten up and I'll break down the wall thereof and it'll be trodden down and I'll lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds and they'll give that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. He looked for judgment, but behold oppression, for bitterness, but behold a cry. You know what you see today back in John chapter 15, please? You know what you see today in the church among Christians? You see the judgment of God's fallen. You see saved people are people that claim to know Jesus Christ living in every single way like all the world lives and no difference between. You see divorce rates skyrocketing and I'm not busting on you if you're divorced this morning. You wouldn't believe it, man. I mean, you walk into my church, visitors come into my church, they say, everybody knows where to turn in the Bible. Everybody here's got it all together. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know why people get that impression, but it's like, if I had a raising of hands on Sunday morning, now don't judge me for this or my church, okay? If this isn't the case here, I have no idea. If I had a raising of hands on Sunday morning, how many of you have been divorced and you're remarried now? Do you know probably half or more of my church would be like raising their hands? Oh, carnal place. They weren't saved, most of them. And some of them were, and the devil got at them, and they're back in church, they're serving God. I'm happy they're there. They're not second-class Christians. They could sing in the choir even in my church as long as they're serving God. Now, whatever's in the past is in the past. I'm not busting you on that. I'm saying if you ain't been divorced, do you know people better than you and me have been after 30 years of marriage? That's a scary thing to me. The devil likes to work his way in there and start getting in your head, getting in your heart, getting in your mind. What he wants to do is drive a wedge between you and Jesus Christ. A very simple message this morning. The fruit only comes by the Lord Jesus Christ and your personal relationship with him. That closeness. Our church is now full of people. Their lives look just like the world. Me and your preacher were talking during the song service. You're not supposed to do that. We're both sorry, I'm sure. (laughs) Talking during the song service about how nowadays the younger generation, we're losing them. They're just out the door. You know what it is? I, I know what I think it is. A lot of them aren't interested. You can't force somebody to be interested. I wouldn't try to force somebody to be interested, right? I think a lot of it is they know the difference between the real thing and the fake thing. And when you try to make that fruit look like it's Jesus' fruit, control the flesh. Make sure that they're, they're, they're good for your reputation. I don't care about my reputation. That's a harsh thing for a preacher to say, ain't it? I could care less about my reputation. Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation. I don't care. You know what I do care about? My testimony. Big difference. Make sure our reputation... You're the Reagan family. What's that supposed to mean? You know there's billions of names on the planet. Why is yours so important? I'm, just, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying. Okay why, okay, why is mine so important? Can we get an amen? There we go. 
Reagan family. So what? I'm not trying to make that fruit look a certain way. What I want it to be is the real thing. You know what young people are looking for today? He's shocked how many young people are in our church just like this one. It's a blessing. You know, people think a church is for old people. No, it ain't. You give them the truth and the real thing, and it's shocking how many of them are going, you know, I'm not going the way my mom and daddy went. I need something better. I want something real. That real thing only comes from a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that's genuine and staying close to Him. The power to produce fruit is not in you. It's not in me. It's not in your church. It's not in your belief system, whatever that means. It's in the very words of Almighty God and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, here's where a lot of people wind up getting out. There's pruning that's required to bring forth the fruit. And let me tell you something about pruning. It hurts. Look at verse 2. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Go down to verse number 6. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. It's not telling you you're losing your salvation. You guys know that already. It's an illustration. He's saying, Paul talked about it, lest when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. What he's saying is, when he walks by his vineyard, and he sees, he walks into his vineyard, and he knows who the vine is, and he's planted in the right place, coming right out of the right soil, and off that vine's a bunch of branches. And, you know, I'm a branch, brother. Joe's a branch. Preacher's a branch. Everybody in this room's a branch. You're just a branch. It's all you are is a branch. That's all I am is a branch. You understand that, right? And he's walking by those branches and he's like, well, there's a dead piece on this one. Now, Joe can tell you more about this than I can. So, I mean, he was at my house a couple weeks ago or whatever and he's like looking at my trees and like, this needs to be cut and this needs to be cut. And I'm like, okay, anyways. Um, well, this thing will do a lot better if you cut here, cut here. Why? Because the dead stuff, I guess, pulls away from what could be what the live stuff can actually do. You know what we all got? There's not a person in this room, including me. I'm starting with me, especially me. You know what we all got? Dead stuff. You know what that is? It's the flesh. It's the fact that I'm a man and I'm a sinner just like everybody else in this whole room, every person in this room is a sinner. I'm a saved sinner. Thank God for that. I am clean through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm still stuck with a flesh that's going to get put in a grave. God puts it all in a grave. You know why He does that? He does it to show everybody that the flesh is no good. You know why you're getting older? It's proof you're a sinner. You know what I want to do as I get older? I want to pop more and more fruit, man, all the way to the end. I want more and more fruit. I read it this morning. The glory of a young man is a strength. The beauty of the old man. It's gray hair. Well, that's pretty cool. What about people like right in the middle? A little bit of gray is still a little bit of strength left. Is that, you know, hopefully that's a perfect balance. I don't, it's a joke. Never mind. <laughs> Trying to make myself feel better about the grays, about the wrinkles. Why? A sinner, man. The clock is up. The clock is running. Proof that you're a sinner. You know what God has to do? He has to come in there and start clipping that stuff off. And it hurts. The branches need pruning. You know what it is? It's a type of suffering. You know what God's set out for you and I? See, you're wanting to produce fruit, right? You're saved and you really do want to do right. You would not be here this morning if you didn't want to do right. I know you're not coming back tonight unless you really want to do right. I know you're not be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday 
without saying, you know what, I, I want to do right. I want God to speak to me. We're just kind of getting warmed up here. Lord, what do you have to say? What's coming down the road? Please give me something. Please help me. I want to produce fruit, right? You know what God does for those of us that really want to serve him? He cuts us back. It's one of the hardest things to get people to understand. Get it all the time. I want to join the church and do something. I want to join the church and get involved. I say, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to join the church and get involved? You know what people have been taught, even in good churches? You have to get saved, get in, and start pulling your weight. Do you know that that is not the way to produce fruit? We have four kids. Do you know what we did not do with those babies when they came into the world? Okay, infant, now start vacuuming the living room. Time for chores. Don't do your chores. I'm going to whoop you. Hello, genius. You know what you do with babies when they show up? You coddle them. They're a lot of work, and they take all the attention. They interrupt your sleep. They puke all over you when you're dressed and out the door for church. They wet right through a blowout diaper right on your suit before you got to get up in the pulpit and preach. You are their servant. And they just stay close to mama and daddy. And as they stay close to mama and daddy and keep getting fed and keep getting fed, you spoon feed them. You just give them a little bit. You give them simple stuff. You just keep spoon feeding them. You know what happens in time? In time, in time, if you're patient, in time, if you let them grow, in time. You know what they're doing? They're cleaning the house. They're cooking your dinner. We walk in the door sometimes. If she's running late, I'm running late. Man, there will be a three, four-course meal on the table ready to go. Glory to God. Amen. It's a blessing. One of my daughters loves to cook. The other one loves to bake. We got it made, man. What a blessing. They're not getting married till they're 40. I, I, I think it's wonderful. You know what happened? With time. Can you, any of you parents relate to me? It feels like sometimes as they start getting to a certain point that you're always trying to hold them back. Because they're aware of what's out there and they're aware of their own capabilities and they're aware of what can be done and they see what other people can do and they want to do more. And you say, not right now. It'll come. It's almost here. Not right now. Just a couple more years. <gasps> to them, it's a couple centuries. It's never going to happen. One of my kids said, Dad, is it wrong that I'm not looking forward to the rapture like you, know, you are? I said, well, I don't think so. She said, you've already lived your life. That was a couple of years ago. I'm like, I'm only like 42. I mean, come on. Like, seriously? She thinks I'm already half dead. You know, to them, it's like it's never going to get here. But to dad, it's like, it's, it's, it's just right around the corner. Just wait. Why? Because I want the fruit to stay. You know what God does to you and I? He cuts us back. What a great example you got sitting here, somewhere around 50 years old, if I'm, if I'm even close. God finally uses him to start a church. You know what God's doing for you in these last days? He's giving you a great example here. Because there's too much pressure to produce fruit. And I'm trying to tell you this morning, I'm not planning on trying to pressure anybody this week. I want God to do something for us. And if you want to take it, you take it. And if you don't, you don't. It's between you and God. Nothing thrill my soul more to see somebody than to see somebody get saved. But I never push people to get saved. I never push them. Don't you push them. 
you come to my church. You do what he, he's the pastor here. You do what he tells you. But when I, my church, don't you push my people. To, don't you push visitors to get saved. Leave them alone. Why? I want them to get saved, but I want them to get saved the right way. I want to know that they're actually saved, not saying some little fake prayer to make us happy and get us off their back. God produces the fruit. He's got to cut the thing back in order to produce it. And here's the hard part. Bouncing back from the cutbacks takes time. Did you hear what I said? Bouncing back from the cutback takes time. God will allow you to get hurt even in church. Church people will hurt you. And the devil comes in and says, you just probably need to be in a different vineyard. I said, the devil says that. You think you're going to go to a different vineyard, whatever the name of it is, Baptist, whatever? You're going to go to a different vineyard and you're not going to have other human beings there? The devil tells you, sir, yeah, she's changed. Maybe I need a new one. Are you nuts? You lost your stinking mind if my wife was like his wife. You, you, you're clueless. You know what I heard one guy say to me, preacher? One, one young guy said this to me, to my face. He said, my mom wasn't like that. <laughs> you know what I said? Go ask your dad. It's amazing the way the devil plays with your head. You need a new vineyard. No, you don't. The husbandman walked through and pruned you back, and it hurts. He's holding you back, and it hurts. You know why? He really wants you to produce a ton of fruit, so when he comes, he's like, look at my vineyard. Most people want to get out when the husbandman cuts them back. Look at this, and we'll go. Look at the product of the fruit. Here's another place people get off and they never produce fruit for God. Because what happens is when you actually produce the fruit God wants you to produce, it's not what you think it is. Look at verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Okay, pretty easy, right? Continue ye in my love. This example is the Father loving Jesus. As the Father hath loved me, even so have I loved you. Right? So God the Father loved me. I've loved you. I want you to go do what I've done. Right? Continue ye in my love. Now, skip down with me, if you would, please, to verse number 12. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Oops. <laughs> you mean when the guy's sitting there blankety-blank, Jesus Christ, help me some other way? You got to give me Jesus, then I ain't taking it? You know what Jesus said? I had to pray about it before I said it to him. I had to make sure I was okay because that spirit was a bad spirit, man. It was something really weird going on. The devil's trying to stop that man from coming to Christ through the dog and everything else. You know what I had to say? I had to say, Lord, I'm okay to say this right. And He gave me the verse. Jesus said to Judas, friend. You trace that, right? He used the word friend. Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. You know what I told the guy? I said, I'm your friend. I said, I'm not trying to be mean with you. I said, I want you to come back. You're welcome here, and I mean it from my heart. He said, I know. I'll be back. 
You know, sometimes it's easier to show that to a perfect stranger than it is to your brothers and sisters in Christ once you've gotten too familiar and you've been hurt by somebody that you really love that you shouldn't have been hurt by because, you know, Christians shouldn't act that way. I know, and I shouldn't act a lot of ways I do. He still loves me. See, the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives doesn't promote us. You know what it does? It promotes other people. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater loveth no man than this, and that a man laid down his life for his friends. That means that my love, if it's like Jesus Christ, if it's really real, is going to be such that I sacrifice for somebody else to promote them while I put myself down. You joking right now? You know what we see in church a lot of? That competition, that competitive spirit, that competition between the brethren. That, that's not the spirit of Christ. A true brother says, you know what, no, I'll let him have my opportunity. Lord, use him to be a blessing. Lord, let her have the spot. That's the fruit he's looking to produce. It's genuine love where the other person's benefit is more important than your own. That ain't, that, ain't, that ain't the kind of fruit I really want to produce. Not, not Mike Reagan. Not what I want to produce. You know what's funny about life? It, I, and some of you older folks can correct me on it if you will, but I, I've talked to enough and I listen to them when they talk. It's never what you think it is. Hey, am, I, am I crazy? Some of you older folks, can you help me out? It's never what you think it is. Like, I want to get married. It's going to be like this knight in shining armor that's going to ride me off of forever. We're going to live in romance. It doesn't matter, honey. We can live on love. As long as I have you, I'll live anywhere. Here's a good one. We did it four times, so don't think I'm harping on it, but I want to have a baby. A few sleepless nights later, a lady in our church, 40 years old, we just found out she's pregnant, and they're happy, and we're happy for them. We looked at each other, and she's like, no, 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 no. If, I, if you could guarantee me a son, it's no. We're good. Because life, what you think you want so bad that you can't take it, not what you think it is. I want that job that pays more money. If I could drive that car, live in that house, make that money, you know the stress that comes with that job? You know the work that they put in to do what they do? Just relax and enjoy your life. Be thankful for the little God's given you. Just enjoy what you got. Why? Because it's never what you think it is. Now here's the funny thing. It's the funny thing about producing fruit for Jesus Christ. You can't do it. He will do it. He'll do it the right way. He'll do it in His time. And it will disappoint you. I guess this is not a prosperity gospel message, is it? It really will. I promise you. I want to be the great preacher. Just go to the back of the room and just relax, man. Because us, us little preachers with, with little churches, it ain't what we thought it was going to be at all. It'll disappoint you. But here's the thing. It will fill you with joy.
If I could explain it, God didn't do it. There is nothing better than letting Jesus Christ fulfill the fruit in your life that he wants fulfilled in his time. And the great thing is all you got to do is stay in the vine, stay close to Jesus Christ, and let him do whatever he's trying to do. When he cuts you back, take the pain and wait. Because the fruit's going to pop. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes if you would, please. I hope the message is a little bit of an encouragement to you. I'm going to turn it over to your preacher, but the encouragement is this. Stay close to Jesus Christ. You want Him to produce some fruit this week in your life? It, it can't, there, there's no message that anybody can preach. Nobody. There's, it's not even in a man. It's not possible for a man to preach a good enough message to make it happen. It's got to be you and Jesus Christ. Pastor. Pastor.